So a disclaimer, I shared this vignette at the 5.30 service last week. So I'm a little new, really, to be recycling stories already, but I think this one's worth sharing with you all. My sophomore year at the University of Tennessee, go Vols, I moved into the Episcopal ministry on campus called the Tyson House. It included a chapel and a residential space where seven lucky students got to live each year. We took part in running the ministry and also shared in maintaining the building. And I can tell you with confidence that nothing will disillusion you to the ideals of intentional Christian community more than actually living in one. We went in with the highest of hopes, nearly utopian expectations. We were enthusiastic about sharing meals together, praying for one another, and making a real difference on our campus. We couldn't imagine that we would ever fight Well, that lasted about seven seconds before came the dishes left undone, the dirty laundry, the overly eccentric personalities. And in just a few months, you could cut the tension in the room with a butter knife. Well, one day I woke up early in the morning around 11 those college days, and I wandered into my bathroom to find written on my mirror in bold dry erase marker the following message. You're looking like God today. Well, I was feeling pretty disheveled. I just rolled out of bed, so I knew that probably wasn't a commentary on my appearance. And so later that day, I found my housemate, who was the culprit. And it turns out that she had written this message on every mirror in the house, every bathroom mirror. And I asked why. And she said it was because she wanted each of us to remember as soon as we woke up each day that we are beloved children of God, made in God's image, beautiful and whole just as we are. So I know this is an Episcopal church, but why don't we try that? Would you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're looking like God today? Neighbor. All right, y'all are pretty rowdy for the 11:15 crowd. <clears throat> well, I have to tell you that small action was the beginning of significant and profound healing in our house. It became something of a mantra. You're looking like God today. Sure, we still had our tiffs and disagreements, but that simple reminder, you're looking like God today, in that moment helped us to turn the corner relationally. And what's more, quite unintentionally, this phrase started catching fire around campus with others involved in the ministry. 
We heard a story of one student who randomly left this message on a post-it note on their roommate's car and got a text later that day that said it was exactly what that person needed to hear. Another student wrote the phrase on the mirror in the dance studio where she taught classes for teenage girls who struggled with self-esteem. And so in ways we never could have expected, you're looking like God today, became a source of encouragement and compassion and renewal in our house and in our world. My friends, James urges us this morning, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. For if any are hearers and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror and on going away immediately forget what they were like. I don't need to tell you that we live in turbulent and polarized times, times when it can be frighteningly easy to forget who we are. As a country, as churches, as individual children of God. And we live in a time when the myth that we are products completely of our own self-creation and self-curation is particularly insidious. With social media, more than ever, you can curate and broadcast whatever version of yourself you choose with the click of a few buttons, causing many to suffer the sense of fragmentation that comes with living in the tension between a fantasy world and the vulnerability of real life. In contrast, both our New Testament texts this morning grapple with what it means to live fully integrated and authentic lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Today in Mark, Jesus calls out the Pharisees, the religious leaders, for their hypocrisy. You can imagine Jesus' frustration. He and the disciples had just returned from feeding the multitudes and healing the sick And yet the Pharisees, all they can see is their failure, Jesus and the disciples' failure to engage in ritual hand-washing, which in this case has little to do with undefiled food and proper hygiene and everything to do with building walls between those humans considered clean and those rendered as defiled. For Jesus... Observance of the commandments should always cause the people of God to lean closer to their neighbors, to seek deeper relationship, to move towards one another, and not further away. The letter of James echoes this motion towards one another as he describes how Christians are called to speak and act in the world, to be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to anger. True religion, James says, is to care for orphans and widows. In other words, to care for those the world has deemed unclean and unworthy. Someone once said that refusing to go to church because of all the hypocrites is like not going to the gym because of all the out-of-shape people. 
you know that the word hypocrite comes from, it actually comes from the theater? Tim could probably school this, us on this more. But the word hypocrite comes from the theater, and it literally means one who plays a part, wears a mask, if you will. And despite its negative connotations, the word hypocrite was originally, in some sense, a fairly neutral term. Thus, amidst the myriad roles and identities and masks we're called to assume in our family life, in our professions, in our relationships, you know, we all act with some level of hypocrisy all the time. There's really no escaping it. Speaking of masks, there were some really amazing masks at Dragon Con this weekend. (laughs) There's something playful and holy about that. But we all wear masks all the time, don't we? My friends, the truth that we claim in baptism is that below all those masks and facades and labels that seek to claim us, for better or worse, our first and primary core identity is this, beloved children of God, looking like God today. Not for anything we can earn or accomplish, despite our very worst thoughts and actions, needless of our best attempts to clean ourselves up, to keep our scars and wounds and wrinkles and warts from showing. Our status as God's own beloved is incontrovertible. It cannot be bolstered or diminished. And it is the promise we embrace at baptism when we sign the cross on each one's forehead, saying, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. And so when we understand and act out of that core baptismal identity, we become sort of holy hypocrites as we clothe ourselves with Christ, as we become actors in the unfolding story of God's healing and redemption of the world. And as the baptized, we are called to ever-deepening relationship with our neighbors as we become doers of the word, those who care for orphans and widows in their distress, all those the world has deemed unclean. Not in order simply to feel good about ourselves or to earn spiritual accolades, but because the more we understand ourselves and all humanity to be beloved children of God, the more we learn to see our neighbors not merely as objects of Christian charity, but as true brothers and sisters and family that we are called to embrace. Family. All Saints Church is a church that gets it. You get it. To share a little more of my story, personally, I grew up at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in a little town in East Tennessee, where I can say that I had the best priest ever growing up. And you may have heard of her. Her name was Martha Stern. 
So we've come full circle, haven't we? Martha baptized me when I was 12. And from time to time, as a child, I remember her telling stories from the pulpit about a church for all saints and all sorts here in Atlanta. And she would talk about how All Saints was a church that drew close to people, all kinds of people, that wasn't afraid to touch people living with HIV and AIDS in the 80s and 90s. A church that wasn't afraid to embrace them as family when their own families had disowned them, rendered them unclean, defiled. And she would talk about officiating funerals for those who had died from the disease when few, if any, other churches would. My friends, do you know how powerful that was? As a young gay kid, growing up in a small town in Tennessee, hundreds of miles away, to hear about a church that wasn't afraid to embrace difference, that believed and acted as though every child was a child of God. Do you know what kind of message that sent? To know from such an early age that there was at least one church where I would always belong. Who knows? It might have saved my life. But I always knew there was at least one church. You may know the term collateral damage. It's a term used to describe the ripple effect, whereby unnumbered and unintended victims suffer as the result of violence or abuse. I want to suggest that the baptized life is nothing more than an invitation to participate with God in collateral blessing. Collateral blessing. Initiated through small acts of quiet faithfulness. You don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to be Mother Teresa or Florence Nightingale to make a difference. It looks like a household healed through a message on a mirror. It looks like a young boy in Tennessee filled with hope from stories of distant compassion. It looks like a world utterly transformed by those who are quick to listen and slow to speak. It looks like widows and orphans and outcasts now made family and friends. You all get it. I hope you know what a special place this is. I think you do. It is a place of collateral blessing, the kind of church this weary world needs. Our rector encouraged us a couple weeks ago to become more of who we already are in that. My friends, our world is desperate to know who it is. It is desperate to find itself loved and beloved back to life in so many ways. So let us make haste to be doers of the word we have received.
to go forth from this place as nothing less than holy hypocrites, ready to proclaim in word and action to all those with ears to hear that you're looking like God today. And let the people say amen.